welcome to the Owning Your Sexual Self podcast, a place for you to listen and explore all things surrounding sex positivity. I'm your host, Rachel Main, sex therapist and educator, intimacy coach, awesome wife to my husband, Danny, board of directors member and team leader with Pure Romance, and best of all, a work from home dog mom to my favorite pups, Bane and Tater. After starting my Pure Romance business, I quickly learned how much sexuality education was lacking within my community and how much shame was placed on things like fantasies, masturbation, and sexual dysfunctions. I'm on a mission to make this world a more sex-positive place, and with this podcast, I hope to reach thousands of people. I'll bring real-life experiences to the surface and normalize them by offering a non-judgmental view. If you can get down with that, then tune in every Monday and let's change this fucking world. Okay, everyone, happy Monday. We are back, and I have a guest this week, which I'm super excited about. My friend Lauren is here, and as you saw by the title of this podcast, you know that we're going to be talking a little bit about a sore subject for most, a very frustrating time if you're someone that has ever experienced infertility, Um, but I'm super duper excited to have her on uh, and get to share her experience about her journey with infertility and what that was like for her as a female. So hi, Lauren. Hi, I'm excited. <laughs> First time on a podcast. She's yeah. <laughs> so First Lauren, time. Lauren and I met uh, through Pure Romance. Um, so we've known each other for the over five years now, and I got to be with her along her journey of creating her little bundle of joy, who we now know as Dawson. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> Dawson. Yep. So that was a long journey, but yeah, and we're, we're fitting it into a 30 minute session tonight. (laughs) All right. So tell us where, tell us where it all started. Like how, how did you realize that, okay, we're having sex. We're not getting pregnant. What's going on here? What was that like? Yeah. So shortly after um, getting married, we obviously were like, okay, let's try. Let's see what happens. A year later, nothing was happening. And I was like, you know, there's always this myth. Everybody says the longer you're on birth control, the longer it takes to get pregnant, um, which is a myth that's not true. Um, birth control does not affect that. Once, it's, once you take it out or stop taking it, it's out of your system. So two years later, still nothing. And I finally was like, okay, maybe we should see a doctor um, because, you know, being married, being newlyweds, and kind of like having that elephant in the room that is like, well, nothing's happening, and now sex is becoming not as fun. Mm-hmm. Um, or like as a woman, and to get a little personal, but after having sex, sometimes you just want to cry because you're like, why? Like, I know why I'm doing this because it's supposed to be fun, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's so sad because what I want to be that outcome is not happening. Um, so yeah so we saw a ton of fertility doctors um to kind of figure out what we needed to do i have pcos um and eric actually was part of the infertility so 52 percent of men um, are the leading cause of infertility so think about that a lot of women want to put it on themselves but realistically 52 percent of the time it is the male there is male infertility um so 
yeah, we started the journey. Oh man. (laughs) And we tried everything from just taking a simple pill to monitoring when we were having sex, um, to then finally deciding that IVF was the best route route for us as a couple. Um, and in between all of that, it, it was about a three year span from the time that we started fertility treatments to having our son. Um, there was a lot of road bumps and I know I leaned on you a lot, so you kind of already know, but um, there's a lot. There's a lot between people telling you when to have sex and not, when to not have sex, what you can use in the bedroom, what you can't use. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of like how our journey came to be. Yeah, and over, you said over three years just about with trying different things. And I'm so for you, you were, you were talking about having having to have sex at a certain time or not at a certain time so did it feel because part of the reason why in the beginning you said that you were feeling like sex wasn't fun because it was almost like you were on a mission right like you were it almost felt I'm assuming that you were having sex for a purpose right to make a child um which I hear from a lot of people is like when you when you feel like you're doing it for a reason not because you want to that that takes away that intimacy so what was it, what was it like for, I guess, for the both of you having, how did you get the schedule? Like, did you use a calendar? <laughs> what tips do you have maybe for people out there experiencing the same? Yeah. Uh, so the first fertility doctor we saw gave us a calendar, basically, that okay. you had to like check days off. Um, but there are apps that you guys can use. I personally, I love paper. I'm a paper girl, but there are apps. If you look them up, there's a ton of free apps. Do not, you don't have to pay for something crazy. Um, but just doing it the old fashioned way of, you know, knowing when you're ovulating. But, um, for me, unfortunately, there's not really a way to track my ovulation because, um, last year, two years ago, I actually only ovulated once and it was literally the one month that we were not allowed to have sex. And they're like, Oh, you ovulated this month. And I was like, awesome. Um, so there's no way for me to track ovulation. If you have PCOS, um, probably already know that so for those of you that don't know what that is it's polycystic ovarian syndrome um, which causes a ton of inflammation and prevents me from ovulating causes a ton of irregular periods things like that um, and a lot of pain so yeah yeah so I think that as a woman the hardest thing to overcome was that my body wasn't working and that was one of the, I think, issues during, like, when we were done having sex, you know, it would be, like, normally cuddles, and then you're, like, well, my body's not working, and you're just mad at yourself, mm-hmm. um, so it took a lot, it took a lot of friend pep talks, it took a lot of um, learning about mantras, and um, making sure I had something on my wall that I could read every day, and tell myself, so that I kept telling myself, you know, I'm not broken, there is, there is a solution, um, so yeah yeah so when you okay so you said this was about a three-year journey and how soon into it then did you decide to go with IVF oh man about a year and a half in um we decided IVF we were kind of going between IVF and adoption or IVF and nothing Mm -hmm. um so Eric and I finally just sat down and said, okay, what are we doing? Um, I, I come from a family that has adopted before. So I kind of, we know that route. We know 
how exhausting that route can be. And I have friends that have done or friends that have done IVF. So I also know how exhausting that route can be. Um, so we kind of had to weigh it and see what was the best options. Um, if you're looking into doing IVF, ladies, make sure that you check with your insurance and see how they can help you. There are several companies in the state of Michigan that do help, whether it's with your procedures or if it is with the medication. Um, so definitely look into that. But we chose IVF because I knew that we all know I'm super extra. <laughs> Um, and I'm a little overbearing, let's just be real. And I know that I could not emotionally handle um, adoption, whether it's adoption two to full four, I couldn't handle that. So yeah, we we kind of just said, you know, these are the only options we have and it sounds terrible, but we picked the best of, better of the evils, I guess you could say. Yes. <laughs> um, Bring on the turkey baster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I actually found that postcard um, the other day when I was packing the house. I found it and I put it in Dawson's little memory book. I'm like, this is super inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You were, so. you were the first person, I guess, as an adult that I knew that was experiencing infertility and going through IVF. So it was all it was all very new to me to be able to learn throughout the pro- through learn the process through you. And yeah, so that was always my joke. That's that's what you see in the movies, right? Like the woman's legs up in the stirrups and they insert yeah. the, the semen into her body and then boom, you have a little baby in a Petri dish. And like, yes, that's what you see, but that's real life. Like that's what happens. Like Dawson was created in a little Petri dish and now he's, that's so crazy to me to think about. Started, started from the Petri, now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy to think about, to see. Um, I hold on to all of those. We have a video. You can literally see, like, the turkey baster, air quotes, right, um, of them, like, implanting his little, his little self. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, so fun. Um, but I really want women to understand that this journey of infertility, whether you – have unexplained infertility, PCOS, endometriosis. Um, There's so many different reasons for uh, infertility. I just want you to know that there is nothing wrong with you and make sure that you are still giving yourself self-care and self-love and also working on your your relationship um, with your partner because that's so important. When you go see these fertility doctors and they're trying to figure out what's going on and they tell you, they tell you not to have sex on certain days you can't use certain lubricants here's a list of the few lubricants that you can use <clears throat> romance might have one they talk to rage um <laughs> it's difficult it's difficult and it's it's hard not only for the woman but imagine like a guy and having to they're like okay you guys have to go home and have sex in an hour and he's just supposed to be like hey here's an erection no problem Mm, that's not how life works realistically but like putting a man under pressure is not going to help with that um so it was kind of nice being a pyramids consultant and already knowing the steps that we you know we need to take take and the products that you need to use so um like some of our enhancement gels were amazing they help with um erection for sure recommend <laughs> that um and then c-rings and 
that helped. Um, making sure that you are having clitoral stimulation for yourself too, because when you're telling yourself, okay, I have to have sex, I have to orgasm, I have to do this, it has to happen for implantation. It is a mind fuck. Mm -hmm. Like, holy shit, is it a mind fuck? That's exhausting. So having clitoral stimulation, please do it. Everybody needs clitoral stimulation during this time. Preach. Um, Siri, I mean, we all need it anyways, but it helps to like focus your brain, you know, it's the biggest sex organ. So it helps to focus like this is pleasurable. Let me not think about everything happening in the outside world right now. And let me just enjoy this. Um, as hard as it is, it does help. It really does. Yeah. And I can imagine too, from the guy standpoint, like you're talking, okay, here we are at the doctor's office, super seductive setting, right? And then go home and, and you have to have sex in an hour. So yeah, then I'm sure that performance anxiety kicks in. Plus that's so much pressure. That's so much pressure for both of you. So then, yeah. So then from your experience, you're trying to get in the mood because you still want this to be an enjoyable thing, but you're stressed <laughs> the fuck out because you've been trying to have a baby for the last year and a half. Shit's not working correctly. And then that now you want me to be turned on? Like, <laughs> I can only imagine. That is, that is, yeah, that's tough. Let's just talk to your male audiences really quick. Okay, Eric's going to kill me. Um, so imagine what you think. Like, what you think on TV, what you see, where they show you, like, this icky room with, like, these old porns and this, like, little chair. That is real life, guys. That is not just on TV. It is not a nice setting. Like, no. They they offer you what kind of porn you'd like to watch. It is a weird chair that you probably don't really want to sit in. It's awkward, okay? And the nurses are... You don't want to see your mom when you're walking into, like, the room to go put your sample into a cup. So, no, that is real life. That's what it looks like. Gang. Or Eric. <laughs> that sucks though. Like, no, we can't get a TV with some Cinemax or like some Pornhub up in there. No, I'm like, you just like, what? Come and on. I what know. And there's no, um, uh, like, I, I'm curious about these porn. Like, was there a variety? Was it? I just, I have so many questions. I know there was magazines. I'm pretty sure he didn't want to touch them. But there are, were like a couple different, um, movie options but I every time you're sitting in the waiting room from like the woman's aspect right you're sitting in the waiting room like he's back doing his thing and you look around and all these other women are like hiding their phones and texting why else would they be there texting randomly and their man's not next to them? <laughs> you're like oh there's some sexting happening for nice. sure <laughs> that's what I was gonna yeah. say like could you like on the elevator on up did could you give like a quick like flash of tits or like maybe a quick BJ in the elevator. I don't know. Like get, get the get some things working. <laughs> for sure, for sure, no BJ's happening because if there was any saliva, he would be in trouble. Ah, um, you can't use lotion. You can't. No, they can't use anything. Yeah, no, <laughs> no saliva. They tell him like, nope, no spit. You know, so no BJ's. Nothing cool happened. Just... It was really just like me having to like text him dirty little things. Just and, dry yeah. masturbate. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and that was just for, like, you know, one of 12 times that he had to give a sample. Oh, <laughs> oh my it's gosh. It's not just a one and done, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, throughout all of this, because you hear from, 
you hear from a lot of couples like clearly this is stressful <laughs> to the relationship this is stressful to the marriage how how did you guys keep the connection like how did you keep the intimacy what what suggestions or guidance would you give to other couples that might be struggling right now throughout all of this and might be hating each other a little bit dare I say it but just it's super frustrating yeah it's true and it, it becomes a blame game right like nobody wants to be like well it's your fault because you're the one with the fertility problems um so I'll give you a little background and then I'll answer your question so when we first started our infertility was both of us by the time we got to the area of IVF um they had retested Eric he had to go in the boardroom um and he had no problems he was good like the infertility on his side, he we had fixed it with vitamins and different things. Um, so it was just me. And that was difficult because now I'm the problem rather it being both of us. Mm. Um, so I think the biggest takeaway from, for me on all of this was realizing that intimacy does not just mean sex. Um, so that was a big, big eye opener for me. Um, I'm a very sexual person. Like Eric always makes jokes that, like, I always say, I want more. Um, so I'm very sexual, and that was difficult for me to understand is in, intimacy is so many different things, whether, you know, it's um, just watching a movie and cuddling, whether it's, you know, playing a little card game. You just have to find the intimacy in other ways. So for us, we really loved our date days during the day. So when everybody else was working, we would sneak away to the movies on like a Tuesday. And that was our thing. Like that was our time together away from the public, away from our cell phones, away from anybody that knew anything about us. And we were just with each other. Um, so finding something, find something that whether maybe you guys like to cook, um, you can always turn anything sexual, I think especially with some of the gadgets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so if you want to find something that is intimate as far as cooking dinner, maybe you can then later on add like a remote control vibrator in. Um, that's super fun and it's not in the bedroom. So I think one of the biggest mistakes that we made during this journey, nine times out of 10 when I was we were doing our IVF shots, they were in the bedroom. Uh, okay. And we should have left the bedroom to being an intimate space and it turned into the space where we were not only giving shots, but the space where we talked the most about the journey. Um, so try to keep your bedroom, your intimate space, and have those conversations and do those things about IVF or for any of your fertility treatments outside of the bedroom would be a big takeaway also for me. Yeah, that's great advice because if you bring in that negative association – um, and you were, Eric was not the only one giving you your infertility shot. So then now you're bringing like parents into the bedroom or niece into yeah. the bedroom and you're like, okay, this is my sexy space. <laughs> like, Yeah, pretty much. I, yeah, Eric works really crazy hours, um, long hours, and you have to give your shot at a certain time every day. So yeah, lots of people were helping do that, <laughs> which kind of took that away. There was nothing intimate, nothing like. They were just shots, and I was like, let's do this. It was not like a, okay, we're going to do this together. We're going to make a baby. No. It's like, let's do it. Poke me now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so being that I know you very well and the confident person that you are, how how did all of this, how did all of this change with your confidence? Did you feel... Did you feel like depression set in? Did you feel anxiety set in? Any any like mental health tributes that you would 
give advice about for others that are struggling with this? Yeah. As far as my anxiety goes, it didn't really affect that. Um, as far as being down during the journey, as far as beating myself up, like it's all my fault. Um, you know, I think a lot of women who have went through this journey probably would tell you the same thing that they're like, well, maybe you should just be with somebody else that can give you a family. Um, so, so that was a trigger for me. That was a really big deal. Uh, and something I constantly kept saying to myself and I just, I had to get out of that mindset and that took a lot, a lot of work. Um, I also knew that I couldn't stay in the house a lot. Hmm. Um, I had to surround myself with my sisterhood, with my friends as much as possible, whether that meant being a workaholic and working a lot or um, just being with them in general. I had to do it and I had to force myself to do that so that I didn't lose who I was and I didn't just become IVF. Um, So fast forward to becoming pregnant. As soon as I became pregnant, I was terribly sick, like so sick. Um, and I, that is when depression sank in the most for me. Um, I just kept telling myself I'm sick because I wasn't meant to be pregnant. And, you know, I had to use science and I went, went, um, against what the world wanted for me. And that was bad. So probably the first three, three weeks of my pregnancy were probably the darkest times. Um, those are, that was even worse than going through all of the treatments. Aww. So just feeling like I wasn't meant to be pregnant and that's so terrible. Cause now he's like such a perfect little baby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that makes sense, especially with, I know you have a strong religious background and so I know you said the world, but I know truthfully what you meant going against, yeah. you know, um, but that makes that so you said you spoke earlier that you so you surround yourself with your positivity or support system but you also spoke to mantras will you share what you some people I feel like that might be listening don't know what that means but can you share more about that and what if you have any mantras maybe that you remember from that time yeah so there was one I think you helped me come up with actually um So I would just wake up and I would say, my ovaries are ready. They're going to accept a baby. Um, and I would just say that over and over again. Like, I, my ovaries are ready and I'm ready to accept a baby. And I would just say that constantly, um, especially with having the PCOS. That was an issue that I constantly was thinking about what was happening. <laughs> um, so that was a big one for me. And then um, another one. <laughs> We're gonna admit this. All right. Another one that I had was um, my vagina is a badass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so those were my two. And basically, mantra is just something you're telling yourself um, what you want. So if you want to have a baby, I'm going to have a baby. My body's going to accept it. Like just telling yourself what is going to happen and making it something that you say constantly to yourself. Um, another thing that we did. I ha- I took canvas and I painted one pink and one blue and we came up with baby names and put them on the canvas and um, we have a little quote that I honestly, I can't remember what they said on the bottom now because we stopped looking at them so long ago because we changed the names, but oh, it said, um, this is my child and I'm ready to accept you. And then it had the baby's name, so which we didn't end up using. <laughs> But we had those, and they were in our room, and they were on the wall so we could see them every single day. 
Awesome. So it was just spreading, spreading that positivity and speaking, basically speaking the baby into existence before, before you knew you were pregnant or after you were pregnant all, both times, like all throughout this. Um, so pretty much the entire time of fertility treatments, I, I had my mantras. Um, as far as after pregnancy, I have some personal ones that I use now just to make, remind myself like, Hey, you're still Lauren, right? You're not just mom. That's totally different topic for sure. Um, (laughs) but I use them all throughout my fertility treatments. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Time flies, man. Telling you time flies when you're recording podcasts, time flies when you have a baby. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, okay, so any, before we wrap up, any final, just final, like, words that you would have for somebody that's either a woman, a man, a couple that might be listening to this, experiencing some of the same things? Yeah, so, um, my first little piece of advice is going to be for anyone who is sitting here listening to this, that maybe you're not ready to have a baby, but you're like, oh my gosh, I'm almost 30 and I'm not going to be able to have kids or I'm 35 and I'm, you know, it's too late. That is not true. Please understand that that is not true at all. 30 is like, girl, you need to go and celebrate life and enjoy it. You have plenty of time. Um, and if you're concerned and it's something that you can't stop thinking about, you can always have your eggs checked. Uh, so I definitely recommend doing that as far as couples listening, make sure that you find each other along the road and that you never let each other go. Um, and as far as any woman that is doing this girl, you've got this and make sure you find a support group on Facebook because they are going to be your ride or die. Yeah. That's Thanks great. for letting me share this. Yeah. They, I think this is going to be so helpful to so many people. And of course, Lauren's story is not exactly what everybody is going to experience. But if any uh, any part of her story um, shared, I'm sure that she would love for you to reach out to her. Do you want to share your how they can find you on social? Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram at living the lib life. <laughs> Which we will tag in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or on Facebook under Lauren Lipkinen. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. <sighs> Until next time. We have so much more that we can talk about. That's for sure. So you'll be, you'll be hearing again from Lauren guys. Don't worry. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today and helping me change the world by spreading sex positive awareness. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram under Rachel Main or check out my Linktree website in the show's bio for direct links to all my pages. You can also shop my Pure Romance store or become a Pure Romance business owner yourself by visiting pureromance.com slash Rachel Thank you again so, so much. Until next week, go out there and own your sexual self.